Hello, this episode sees some reporting back from an Emerging Critics mentoring session. Literary critic David Robinson tells me about his first meeting with his four mentees who have been writing reviews of different lengths on Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. We discuss writing for the public, keeping a reader's attention, reading each other's work, and being confident without being glib. Hello, I'm here with David Robinson, who is one of the Emerging Critics' mentors, um, looking after a group of four? Yes, four, yes. Four Emerging Critics. Um, And at this point, uh, you have had just one meeting? That's all, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the the great thing about it, that it's... uh, that we're making some of it up as we go along because there isn't any course like this as far as we know of. Uh, and so we're following no template. Just In my case, it's uh, based on practical experience of, um, of being a books page editor, which I was for um, 25, 25 years all in all uh, at The Scotsman. Uh, the last 15 of them as books editor and the 10 before as deputy books editor. And uh, so in that time, as you can imagine, then you get to see an awful lot of reviews and you get to know what works and what doesn't. And I'm trying to impart, mainly I would say, my strength would be to impart readability because a lot of people haven't, got an idea about what it is like to write for the public and and they haven't got an idea that about the fact that you know it's 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 other people's time that they're making a demand <laughs> done and that's to me is one of the things about journalism that you pick up almost uh by osmosis nobody really can tell you this in uh uh you know if you're writing a in in your uh, when you're being taught how to write features, um, I suppose they do uh, through trial and error. You learn what works and what doesn't, and what the sub editors have changed around and and, and tried to kind of uh, make any dead prose come to life again. And um, you know, one of the scariest things that I was ever told uh, was when. And uh, the, the uh, Scotsman was going in for a redesign. And I used to like writing long features, about 2,000 words long. And um, and they were measured, were they measured by column inch? Or? That's, well, 2,000 words would be a whole of a broadsheet page, practically, okay. once you've got a, once you've got a, a, a picture in. And that's the yeah. sort of, that to me was, that's the sort of length I used to like, I used to like writing features at, because I felt, well, you know, that's, that gives you kind of space to, to go at a topic properly to investigate in all kinds of little areas and you've got a certain amount of freedom with a 2,000 word feature and uh, then we had some people come along and they, they redesigned the newspaper and uh, and they said well you know do you know how many people actually get to the end of a 2,000 word feature now I must have forgot the statistic that he told me but it was to me it made my jaw drop because it was something like five or seven percent you know got to the of end readers. and I thought what you mean now all the time I'm only only five or seven percent are getting to the end of that feature. I've been wasting my time, and and so I kind of uh, well. He says that the way in which you have to uh, counteract that was uh, by by putting in more quotes. And uh, he had his new verb for it. Uh, never heard of. Uh, he said that you should 
the design should be caffeinated. So in other words, kind of perked up, you know, with quotes and stanzas and really good you know, headlines and lots of drop-in pictures and things like that, as if the words couldn't do enough. But to me, words have to do enough. They have to... Um, yeah, they have to almost the the a book review a long extended book review has if you like to make up a verb to caffeinate itself. Okay, great. <coughs> so caffeinated reviewing <laughs> yeah. is what we're or self caffeination mm. is that. Let's let's coin that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? So so everyone's working on new titles rather than For choosing this. books that that are actually might be published reviews of already. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so they're all in the position of uh, of any book critic, which, uh, mm. you know, starting off with the with the archetypal blank page and <laughs> um, working out their own reactions, not um, not clouded by anything that anybody else might have written. Which I think is something that must take a considerable amount of confidence to stride out there with an with an opinion. Yes, I've got the sense that. Um, that writing for the public is something that um, is that people find find confidence. They find that they do find that hard, uh, and this this might be people who absolutely hugely intelligent and uh, they 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 know uh, everything they need to know. They they do have their opinions, but but putting them down um, in 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 quite a <coughs> a, a, a firm. Uh, way is something that uh, might be new to them because I think it's really something that um, when one is at university you're always taught uh, that there's a certain folly in going for a straight line uh, isn't there you know everything yes. has to be uh, to be sort of to come at something by it with an at an angle absolutely or you've got to you know there, there, one subject might have um, 20 different uh, interpretations and you've got to show that you know uh, at least 15 of them so yes. um, so as a result you're not taking a straight line you're, you're pointing out the, you know the, the full gamut of opinions that yes. uh, you know and you that have you have experience. considered all of these and yes. based on that then yes and that's a very that's a one of the primary distinctions I suppose between academic and what would we call it journalistic literary criticism or just literary criti- just literary criticism as opposed to academic criticism yeah the basic difference between the two is probably footnotes isn't it that's yeah. <laughs> yes no need for footnotes for the kind of criticism that i'm talking about anyway yeah um, yeah uh, you write for a number of different publications, and if you're sitting down to plan a review for the SRB, SRB say, um, your word limit would be 1,500 to 2,000 words. Yeah. Um, but for a column for the books section in, say, the Herald or the Scotsman, it's more like... 800 words is that's it? right yes do you think do you think that the david robinson who writes 800 words is a slightly different persona for from the david robinson who is writing 1500 words yeah but i'll be honest i never uh i i i, I did my first uh interview uh, sorry for my first review for the scottish review of books was last year and uh for for uh for alan taylor and i sent it off and it came back with uh 
quite a considerable number of uh, suggested changes in square brackets. And I had been used to, uh, for the last uh, 20 years, uh, having everything that I, I wrote just uh, appear in print uh, almost, almost untouched by the subeditor's hand. And so it was strange to get this back. And, uh, and but, but actually really um, invigorating because it made me think hard about what I really wanted to say. Now this was, um, just give you one example. I, I, I asked if I could write a piece about a friend of mine who was just involved marginally in the story of Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Mm. And uh, he was the guy who actually prosecuted the killers. And he he's became became a friend, and so I just said, yeah, it's the fiftieth anniversary. I said, can I write a piece about it? Did the piece, uh, and uh, and it and it came back. Now my friend disagreed with Truman Capote's conclusions. He thinks that uh, that that. Well, he's never read the book, but he knows this <laughs> because he's offended by it because he was excluded from it, right. and uh, so uh, he. Um, but he, people have told him what the book is about, and he disagrees with its conclusions. The the emphasis that it puts on the particular um, detective as having solved it, and so he doesn't really believe that. And so I wrote my piece about my friend uh, Dwayne West, the prosecutor, former prosecutor, who's eighty five now, you know, an but he's a good friend uh, from email. We 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 correspond every. Uh, every every month and so um, and Alan was basically saying okay well what does that make you think about In Cold Blood which is a book that I'd always always admired hugely as being one of the best example of the if you like of of journalism Mm. Uh, and and so those kind of questions that he was he was pushing me towards saying well does it devalue uh the whole book, your friend thinks that it's not true, what does that make you think about the whole book? And it pushed me further along to the line to thinking that actually there are now, I can see, there are massive question marks over it, which I um, I can now see, and that are now part of my critical response to the book, which I wouldn't, I'd have been left in the sort of like a vaguely sort of muddled warm feeling about the book before had it not been sort of put on the spot so yes but what do you think and that's essentially that the, the question that i'll be putting to the people who are doing the, the course what do you think stand on your own two feet justify your own reactions to the books yes that's fascinating so it's a sort of subjective you're pushing them towards stating a strong subjective opinion when they might be reluctant to do it. So is it to do with confidence or is it to do with pushing yourself to a place where you actually produce an opinion that you'll stand by? Yeah, you've got to, yes, you've got to be able to stand by it. And you can't, I think you would be soon exposed if you, uh, if you, put out an opinion that you that you couldn't say for example i said uh in cold blood is the best thing ever that anybody's <laughs> ever written about right. uh, about journalism mm. then all of a sudden you'd have 
yes, but is it is it really better than Norman Mailer's The Executioner's Song, you know, and so on, all the way down the line to, yes. you know, Andrew Hagen, yes. this. You, and and can you absolutely stand over that? And, and as I said, it's got its weaknesses. Those books mm. might not have, they might have different ones. Mm. And, you know, so... So, so I think that's the sort of thing you you can only stand over it as far as your knowledge goes, and you yeah. should try. You should read as much as you can to make sure that that knowledge is is as wide as it mm. needs to be, uh, and also to acknowledge the complexity always. Yes, yes, that's but, really important. Yes, because um, we talk so much about how you know mm. we live in an age of opinion, and the complexity has taken a backseat. Uh, oh, absolutely, yes, and post-truth and all of that. I, I would argue that post-truth uh, uh, world needs uh, good critics more than ever, just for that very reason. So complexity has to be outlined in a, or handled or presented in an interesting and um, precise way. Yes, absolutely. It has to be compelling but accurate. And not glib, yes. Yes. yes for that. Oh, are we? Yeah. Is glibness is glib a, glibness a problem? <laughs> Have you encountered well, that's much other, glibness? That's, that's the other side of confidence, isn't it? I mean, yes. you, uh, it's sort of like if you turn confidence up to the dial up to eleven, then that's actually okay. But if it, if you turn it to twelve, then that's glib. Okay. <laughs> There's a balancing line somewhere, I, I think. Excellent. So, in your workshops with your um, mentees, is everyone reading each other's material i think they will be i think that's uh that's one thing as i said we're learning from each other and i want to ensure that absolutely everybody on the course gets what they want out of it and because there are only four of us doing it there's only four then i can you know it can be tailored specifically to the to people's own requirements some might want to be more confident uh, others might want to just say look how do you take the the through line through it give me examples um, and and others might want to learn about you know the practical uh, aspects of criticism <laughs> with the first one you'll be surprised to hear we, we, we ended up talking about in cold blood not that I'm a one-trick pony or anything <laughs> but uh, we just did that's the book I feel and so I can absolutely get completely inside and I feel very confident about that and so I wanted to impart some of that confidence uh, in, 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 in that mm. lesson and so so the second one will be uh, and, and subsequent ones will be everybody will get the chance to look at each other's work and in mm. the course of that uh, I think we're all of us are learning um, because uh, as I said there isn't a I'm not aware of there being a, a course mm. like this, so we have to find out what works best. And I think yes. that it would work best if we could look everybody leaving their egos at the door and just uh, just looking and seeing what worked in other people's reviews. I ask uh, the the people to do an fifteen hundred and eight hundred. Because you're saying, is there any difference between the two? Uh, and of course, there is a massive difference. And and a four hundred word uh, uh, review and um, each on each, each on the one same on book. The same book. See, yes, oh, and uh, you see again, I'm not really. I didn't. I didn't spell out 
it is that that they should be completely different. I thought that that would emerge, and and I don't think it did. I think people just cut it down, mm-hmm. uh, and and it showed so the four hundred was very rickety by yes. comparison. Yes. So mm-hmm. I think if we'd have done it the other way around and mm-hmm. said, look, you do a four hundred word and then build it up, we got, got, got completely different, and the fifteen hundred would have just been illustrative of the of the four hundred mm-hmm. with a lot more quotes attached. In in the fifteen hundred words, then. Uh, uh, we got a particular I thought it was one really good essay and that one did something which I don't do myself um, which is to illustrate the essay with quotes um, from other writers on Mm. on literature and I know that I mean every week then Alan Massey uh, can do this in the Scotsman and does do it even on an 800 word review yeah he seems to have a, a massive knowledge of, of literature. I don't think Alan really needed the computer. You know, he'd already got... Doesn't need Google. <laughs> doesn't need WikiQuid. <laughs> he's got such a well-stocked, capacious mind that uh, he's got um, a marvellous fund of, uh, of, of writers, uh, writers on literature. And I, I, quite frankly, don't. But... But, you know, uh, one of the students did and used it superbly well um, in writing about Ingham Blood. I mean, just... Uh, are you going to read us a passage? Well, I mean, here we are. Just um, Truman Capote has no interest in cliché depictions of one-note monsters. So the killers of In Cold Blood, Dick Hickok and Perry Smith, are allowed to rage, laugh, despair, feast and dream. And therein lies the book's moral dilemma. Does Capote's overwhelming interest in his anti-hero Perry Smith veer into unhealthy territory, proving the author to be, as William Blake said of John Milton, of the devil's party without knowing it? And I just thought that just gives you a little extra dimension as does her conclusion. If, as Voltaire wrote, we should, quote again coming up, (laughs) judge a man by his questions, not by his answers... Capote should be judged not by his tweaks, inventions and omissions, but by the questions he raises, and so on. Um, you know, then mentions some of those questions. Like what happens when the American dream turns sour? What makes people kill? Without offering any explicit moral judgment, Capote leaves his readers to decide. And so, just, you know, threaded in, uh, and I thought fitting perfectly... You know, bringing in and Voltaire invoking yes, and, other and complete other the context. Like yeah, yeah, eighteenth so century I, I, I France, yeah. and um, and it, and you know that that's something that's uh, you know that's that's that it's got to be freshly minted for that particular occasion. You can yes. tell instantly if it's not, can't you? You know, because it doesn't. <laughs> but fit. someone but has a go-to quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, no, that's it, great. I thought that worked great. very well, and I was very impressed with the. The, you know the the the, uh, the essays all around. Excellent. So, um, can I ask you a question about? Um, it, it, this just occurred to me while you were talking um, about the workshop, as it were, and how you had all read the same book. Do you um, do you think that it's sort of nurturing critics? as it were, or training them, or offering advice, or mentoring. Mentoring is probably the, definitely the right word. Um, is as much about 
read teaching or practicing reading as it is practicing writing yes i think i think it's it's about being the most noticing attentive reader mm. that you can be and therefore the uh, the thing that you should come away from from it should be something which is uh, applicable um you know in in in, in other in other areas as well, uh, I suppose it's just as it's being able to think uh, for yourself and express express yourself clearly based on a very very careful reading of a particular test text. Those uh, that's a skill that I would have thought would be should be very very valued. I would yeah. happily put all of all of my mentees in for. Uh, for any any jobs, you know, a whole variety of jobs, as well as being literary critics, you know. So, right, transferable skills. I hope That's so. what we all want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Great, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. In the next episode of this mini series, I'll be talking to Dave Coates, the fifth and final emerging critics mentor, about his meetings about blogging, and about running a crowdfunded blog solely devoted to poetry reviewing.